Welcome to the Contact Centre podcast. I'm your host, Jonty Pierce, editor of Call Centre Helper. In this episode, we'll be looking at the topic of first contact resolution, also known as first call resolution, with contact centre consultant Neris Caulfield from Injection Consulting. The first practical steps within the contact centre are to really understand your contact drivers. And I see people doing this in lots and lots of different ways. Some effective, some semi-effective, some very ineffective ways. And that is the problem with measuring it at an advisor level. It just doesn't work measuring it at an advisor level. I think it's a centre level. I think it's as a business how much we're resolving. What they're not doing as a business is going, oh, and that's costing us that volume times four pounds. And that's where I'm now gonna go to the tech people and say, right, what do we need to do about this to stop these calls coming in? And there's lots of very clever tech ways to stop these calls and be proactive. This episode of the Contact Center podcast is sponsored by Genesis. Genesis is the global leader in omnichannel customer experience and contact center solutions. More than 11,000 companies in over 100 countries trust the Genesis customer experience platform to help them connect effortlessly with consumers across any channel, voice, text, web chat, and social. If you would like to see a demonstration of the Genesis Pure Cloud contact center platform, visit callcenterhelper.com forward slash demo. Right, hello everyone. In today's webinar, we're going to be looking at first contact resolution and delighted to welcome Neris Caulfield from Injection Consulting. Welcome to this podcast, Neris. Thanks, John T. Lovely to be here. And you've been working with contact centres up and down the country for quite a while now. Yes, yeah, I work up and down the country. That's fair to say. I'm in and out of contact centres a couple of times a week doing audits. So, yeah. So you do a sort of speed audit of a contact centre, how well it's performing, how well the people are going, what the processes are like, what the technology is. and Exactly that, yeah. So I use a, a framework called the 7Ps framework and I look at lots of different things, spend lots of time with the guys on the calling floors, watching how they're interfacing with their technology solutions. I am really the middleware between operations and tech, but I look at the whole piece and I do it in a very quick time frame. And one of the things you look at is, presumably, is metrics. Yes, yeah, that forms part of the performance bit of my seven Ps, yeah. So I look to understand what metrics that the centre's being driven against and the advisors are being driven against and understand how those measurements are being pulled together as well. So we do quite a number of surveys on metrics. I think 10 years ago when we did those surveys, average handling time came out as the top. Uh, increasingly now, we're seeing things such as quality scores and increasingly first contact resolution as a metric coming out. Yeah, definitely. I, there's not many centres that I go to that don't have first contact resolution as part of their monthly or daily or weekly MI stack. So, yes. So why do you think that first contact resolution has become so important? Well, it's interesting because I think it's a little bit like service levels in so much as everybody knows that they should be doing it and they think they should be doing it 80, 20. So there's a bit of groupthink mentality going in to it because actually when I use root cause analysis to understand why it's important, 
to that centre to be using first contact resolution. I get some conflicting information from the different stakeholders that I'm asking and the contact centre manager will say it's on this because of this and then the advisor's understanding of why they're measuring it or why they're being asked to really consider it is, is completely different. There's three areas what it identifies, you know. it Does it identify that the advisors aren't doing a very good job most cases, it can be an indicator of they haven't got the right knowledge, they haven't had the right training, they haven't got the right coaching. So it's a flag for that. I don't think it's the best flag for that, but that's how some centres use it. Then it's about, well, is it because of failure demand that we're not resolving calls and the first time that people or contacts, the first time people are getting in touch with us? Or is it because of just general process mismanagement? Not so much failure demand, but that actually at the moment we have to deliver this over a two-step process because two siloed teams are involved in resolving the customer's query and can we amalgamate that and give the front team more training, more exposure to be able to resolve it first time. So I think when you get down to the nitty gritty, the reasons why and how they're measuring first contact resolution actually surprisingly are quite different. Indeed. Now, I like to think first contact resolution, in my mind, is a sort of very good concept. You know, who would disagree with that? Let's get it resolved on the first point rather than, you know, people having to pull back. And all too often I see that customers effectively often own the whole process because they're the ones, if it doesn't get sorted, it's the customer has to call back in to get it sorted out. The customer chases and so on. So I think first contact resolution is a, is a great concept, but it's not necessarily a great measurement. Yeah, and it isn't always a great concept either, because actually what you might do, the unintentional consequences of really pushing hard on first contact resolution are you miss opportunities to build rapport, you miss opportunities to cross-sell and upsell. If I contact for a test drive of an Audi and I get an Audi test drive and then I ring back into the contact centre because I forgot to ask if all four seats are heated and the advisor does the right thing and tells me all the information correctly and that means that now I'm armed with that information I'm going to go on and purchase an Audi. Those two contacts have been quite different. They're part of my journey and ultimately I've ended up having good service from each advisor that I've spoken to. I had my questions answered and I've gone on to buy an Audi and I'm pretty sure that Audi wouldn't really care that there was two contacts into the contact centre as a consequence of that entire journey. But if you were just looking at first contact resolution as a metric in the way that most people do, then you would say, oh that's bad. Mm. And is it? No, probably not. So it almost then becomes, is it actually first contact resolution that's important? Or is it eliminating the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh contact? Because I'm guessing that sometimes when you call a contact centre, particularly I'm thinking about technical support, mm. they'll say, well, can you try this? Can you install this? Can you try this setting? Can you leave it going for a couple of days and see if that resolves it exactly yeah it will take a while for you to say no but that's part of the diagnosis treatment so it's not necessarily a bad problem you phone back and say i tried that it didn't work and they go ah in that case we need to try that and that's going to solve the problem no exactly and also 
First contact resolution when it's a query or something that self-serve could sort out and actually you've decided if we put a video online or if we up these sort of questions in the FAQs, fine. However, you're right, there's some diagnostic situations. There's some insurance situations, you know, in the fin space. If you think, oh, I'm going to go and ask a question about, you know, do you cover X? And then I'm going to go back and refer to my partner to see if that's the way we're going to go. I really think that you've before you start measuring first contact resolution, you've got to seriously look at your contact universe and you've got to say which is realistic that we measure against first contact resolutions, which call types should we be measuring first contact resolution against and which ones are actually valuable contacts that if we go wholesale no talk, no voice channel, no contact with a human, what's going to happen then to our brand, to our opportunities to build rapport, to our opportunities to cross-sell, upsell? So it shouldn't be a wholesale answer or a wholesale metric to every centre because I've seen it so many times where actually it's just not realistic and it's not valuable. So first, avoidable contact resolution. Yeah, if it's because of process failure out in the field, get rid of them, sort them out first time. But other journeys, scenarios, think about. Think about, is it right? And are you going to exclude proactive contact from the centre then out in that example that you've just given there, John T. The diagnostics happen. Somebody makes an outbound call to that customer to say, okay, we've given you till Wednesday to see if that worked. Mm -hmm. That's good customer service, isn't it? So are you going to include or exclude that? And so, yeah, there's lots of different things at play. It's it's a really great concept, but it does need thinking about at a centre-specific level. So Neris, there are a number of ways of measuring first contact resolution. What are the most popular ways or most common ways that you see of how people measure it? So it's interesting as well is who does the measuring. So I sometimes, if it sits within the analytics team, they'll see it as a hard and fast measure. So they'll see it in exactly the same way as they see Erlang. It's an algorithm, it's a, you know, it's a metric, it's easy. And so they'll say number of contacts that have been repeat within a certain time frame and then they'll make that into a percentage. So that's the hard and fast analytics team doing that. Other centres will look at either the CRM, so they'll put their core reasons and then they'll have another extra, you know, tick box item to say, is this being resolved first time, second time, what have you? Or they'll literally just use their disposition codes within their contact centre application as a determination of whether that's been resolved first time. And other ways are obviously proactively asking the customer, how easy was it to, to do business with you? Did we resolve your query first time? I think that's a bit clunky, but that is the way some people do it. I certainly had a case of that a little while ago where I phoned up and I had a, a problem and it needed an engineer to come out. Yeah. And the call centre advisor said, so we've resolved your problem then? And I went, no, <laughs> not resolved my problem. But there's nothing more I can do sir, today. Yes, that's correct. But you haven't resolved my problem. Yeah. When the engineer comes and fixes the problem, yeah. that was, and we've got into this argument for about five minutes because obviously the yeah. the advisor he was measured on yeah. the resolution, so he had to get me to say it was resolved because there's no more that he could do. And in the end, it's just like 
Well, you put in the system whatever you want to say, but <laughs> the problem is not resolved. And that is the problem with measuring it at an advisor level. It just doesn't work measuring it at an advisor level. I think it's a centre level. I think it's a, as a business how much we're resolving because you're right. There's so many instances. I was with a, a council last week and, of course, the diversity of types of calls that they get is vast. And inevitably, they have to mid-call transfer or route out to another department within the whole ecosystem of council provision. Now, in exactly the same example, the advisors were recording it as one and done. Then they would mid-call transfer. I'm like, well, who's it one and done for? Because that customer is going on, that caller is going on to now speak to somebody else. That's ludicrous. All you've done is bat it somewhere else. And that's why I think it's really problematic measuring it at an advisor level. It's a bit like occupancy. You shouldn't look at it at an advisor level. It should be just a general contact centre, dry call, volume perspective. I'd agree with that. And where... First contact resolution is particularly good though at the top level is in it being able to look at, I guess, two major, if you like, systemic drivers within an organisation. That's broken processes and failure, yeah. failure demand. Yeah. Uh, how would you go about using first contact resolution for, say, looking at failure demand? That is where it becomes very insightful and helps go and argue to best effect with other departments that are causing the problems that are generating the calls that are creating, you know, that are evidenced through failure demand. So where's my order is a really frustrating one that contact centres, you know, in logistics and that side of the world have to deal with an awful lot. And what I tend to do is, A, I create a commercial around and contacts and lots of centres don't do that. They sort of almost feel like that's counting bubbles in the water. They feel that's a metric that's hard because what you want to do is say, OK, I've had 70% of our volumes this week have been where's my order. And that's because those drivers, those parcels, whatever it's going on outside in the business isn't happening and isn't delivering. So customer feels their only option is to ring the number and say, where's my order? Now, there's loads of ways to overcome that. But what they're not doing as a business is going, oh, and that's costing us that volume times four pounds. And that's where I'm now going to go to the tech people and say, right, what do we need to do about this to stop these calls coming in? And there's lots of very clever tech ways to stop these calls and be proactive and, and also to get the business to do the job that they're supposed to be doing because they don't recognise the impact that comes into the contact centre from them not doing their job properly. So this is about doing things like proactive text messages out to exactly, people, yeah. tracking page on the website so you can see where it's coming through. Absolutely. And there's now so many examples of businesses that do that well. It's just getting your ducks in order and your tech to feed the data to do that proactive stuff. That means it's not coming into the centre and you can leave your centre doing lots of nice value add contacts. So yeah, avoidable contact resolution is absolutely what contact centres should be looking at and getting that in the mindset of the advisors as well. And I always try and recommend that customers overlay the hard metrics with sitting with the contact centre advisors in huddles and saying let's think about some of the calls that we've had this week and where's the systemic problem how can we resolve it because 
it's not just a tick box exercise for the advisors. They need to be thinking about customer journeys and thinking about how they could help not have those contacts. And in a way you're asking like turkeys voting for Christmas, but <laughs> that said, what they need to see is that that will free them up from doing these very mundane, very transactional type calls to then doing much more proactive value add types of work. So, Indeed, and we talked about first contact resolution. Yeah. Obviously, we often focus just on the phone calls, but increasingly people could come in from a range of different different channels. I mean, one of the ones that staggers me is the service level time for email. We've just done our annual survey, what contact centres are doing right now. Mm. And we've seen that on average, the service level for email is about 24 hours. There is about 35% of contact centres who've now got a service level of one hour. Yeah. But I mean, that strikes me. That's just, I think if people don't get their problem resolved by email within four hours, there's a very high chance that they may then phone into the contact center. Now, is that treated as a second contact in the way the measurement happens? Or is that, ah, email's different from phone? Well, this is the problem with having siloed contact management and, and not bringing it all into a universal queue where you have single view of the customer. Because when you talk about FCR, if you say, so tell me about FCR, some people will say first call resolution, and it absolutely isn't first call resolution. It is first contact resolution, irrespective of, well, whatever contact options you offer that customer, if they're on a web chat and that gets escalated, then that's, that's not one and done first contact resolution. You've made them move on to another channel outside of their primary choice to get the answer to their question. I had an incident where I emailed in and no automatic response came back to tell me how quickly I was going to get my question answered. Well, if you're not going to manage my expectations and as a bit of a, you know, pedant around <laughs> customer experience, I was thinking four hours, one hour, but they didn't tell me. So now I'm left not knowing, not having my expectations managed. So I just put a call. In fact, I emailed the CEO because <laughs> when I then did web chat, the web chat person told me it was 24 hours. So then I emailed the CEO and said, that is ludicrous. You're a primary, you know, you're a prime brand retailer. 24 hours is not acceptable. And it isn't acceptable. That's just, you know, just crazy. So it is totally about having that single customer view, whether you get that from your CRM. That's a lot of work, though, because people, by and large, don't pull all their contacts into their CRM. If email or social media or web chat is one and done in adjunct technology solutions, they tend to not pull that into their CRM. Whereas if you've got a contact center application that's pulling everything into a universal queue, it's really easy to have that insight as to the different contact channels that that customer's come in on and try to get their issue resolved. So yeah, absolutely, it's first contact resolution, not call. So if you decide as an organization that first contact resolution is a real key focus, where do you get started? What are the first practical steps that you need to do? Well, the first practical steps within the contact centre are to really understand your contact drivers. And I see people doing this in lots and lots of different ways. Some effective, 
some semi-effective, some very ineffective ways. First of all, you've got to workshop, I think, to determine what your core dispositions should look like and get the advisors to buy in. I've seen places that have got lists of like 50 call outcomes, either within the CRM or within their contact centre application. Who is going to go through a list? Their after call work goes up by about 20 seconds, just trying to work out what it is that the call was about. So you've got to make them very succinct and very reflective of the customer journeys and very clear buckets and say, when I get that as a call outcome, what am I going to do with it? And also make sure that the advisors are totally bought in to selecting that right call driver. So that whether you call it call disposition, call outcome, the advisors absolutely have to be part of that. Because again, I go into centres where they're being done to and I watch them selecting their call outcomes and they are just like on IVR, they're just selecting the one at the top of the list because they don't care really, unfortunately. And yes, some people have good screen recording and some people use that as part of their QM to say, did the advisor tie up their call disposition with the reason the customer was calling or they use really good analytics. But really, I think it's all, it starts with the advisors. Let's talk about what are the key drivers and let's do some analytics as well to determine that. And then let's make sure that we're quantifying the drivers and then we'll all work together in this programme of work to try and say which are those that should be won and done and let's try and knock those on the head first and then we'll get rid of 20% of our volume. Then let's go on to the next one, another 10% gone. And all the time through this continual improvement programme, you're making it easier for the customer, a lot easier for the advisor and just overall the business is then you know, performing to much better effect. And I was told of a really good example of just putting that into practice, which was a very simple technique, which is you basically go off and you find out what are your top three drivers of repeat contacts and just go off and fix those three. You don't do any more. And once you fix those three, you then go off and do the next three. And then you go off and do the next three. And if you can do that every month, after three months, you've then got down to eliminating nine repeat contact drivers off the list. That yeah. can be very powerful. Really powerful and, you know, material benefit, both from a financial point of view, from an advisor experience point of view, and from a customer experience point of view. It's vast sometimes, the diversity of call drivers that are coming in. Sometimes you go to centres and they've got like five key call drivers and by and large, but you'll go to others and there's so many. So absolutely focusing on one or two and you know call drivers equate to customer journeys and yes those customers might have come in various different routes but ultimately they're coming in for the same reason so yeah you've got to sort that customer journey out and only focus on that customer journey because it just becomes too vast otherwise and yeah keep it as simple as possible and as i say engage with the advisor community because they're the ones that really think about it all day. I've had so many examples where I just sit and listen to calls and think, and I go back and say to the customer service manager, operations manager, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And it's just a different mindset coming at it. And then they go, oh yeah, we totally should do that. And then suddenly you've taken 30% of their contact volume out 
But I think the buy-in has to be there as well and they have to understand why they're doing it and the impact of getting rid of those contacts because otherwise the motivation will go in month three to six. But they have to carry on because they could end up with a really nice, neat contact centre that's only servicing valuable contacts and that's costing a whole lot less to service. And you mentioned that there were also some very ineffective ways that people had started on first contact, first contact resolution. What sort of ways have you seen? Yeah, so some people don't measure it at all. So I literally will start asking them to do a five bar gate type scenario. So we'll we'll map out five top drivers and just get five bar gates for a week from a community of like a control group of 10, 15 advisors who we've you know bought into the process. And so what I see sometimes is they'll mix it up. So they mix up the reason the customer calls with what the advisor did about it. Now, which one are you doing? What are you trying to understand and establish? And then, as I say, sometimes they've got a list of 50 outcomes. Now, a lot of systems will let you two-tier the outcomes. A lot of systems will let you have outcomes that are only relevant to the queue or the skill group that you're sitting in, which is very helpful, but some don't. And so you have to keep it very succinct and they have to be reflective of the driver, not the action undertaken and not any other convoluted reason. Just don't go too mad. Just keep that very clear and succinct. But what you mustn't forget is the call outcomes within your contact centre application against 10 key drivers will be associated with average handling time. Yes, I've said the word average handling time, but it is important. This is where first contact resolution obviously came about because AHTs were being pushed and then they were realizing that you were then in a two call situation. And if you'd have only spent a bit more time on the first call, this is where it all came from. But that said, you cannot get away from the fact AHT is still an important measure. You might not want to measure your advisors on it, but it's still determining of that call driver number one to 10, what's the average time that it takes the advisors to handle that type of query, that type of call driver? And if I've got advisors that are going way over that, then I've got some call control coaching requirements over in that pool of advisors. So you base it on the analytics, perhaps the AHT tie up comes away at the moment because they're not tied together. And it is quite interesting because if you're going to first contact resolution, there are two short-term pain thresholds that you go through. The first is that you need to get a team of people probably off the phones, into workshops, going around the rest of the organisation, identifying what's wrong and then forming a project team to fix it. So you've got less resource to work on. And in the short term, we see that average handling time does increase because you're saying, don't rush the quarter off the phone try and resolve their problem, build some rapport, start to listen effectively to what they're saying is the actual underlying problem Mm -hmm. rather than jumping to conclusions. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying, and I don't know if you've seen this as well, is that longer term, that if you start to bring in better first contact resolution, the average handling time does fall. The overall average handling time does fall. Yeah, and I think of those two things that you're going to do, the first one is get your project team together because I think what's really important is to tie it all back to cost per contact because when you're out into the business saying, we need you to do X, 
or we need you tech guys to invest in Y, if you can equate that to a pound sign, it makes that argument when you come out of the contact centre and, and involve those other people that are inevitably going to have to help with that reducing the, con the call driver, it really helps if you put some commercials around it to increase the profile of the programme. And then what you'll be able to do is determine what impact on AHT it should have. So if you're thinking of bringing in first contact resolution and potentially eliminating average handling time as an agent target, mm -hmm. how do you go about that? And how do you make the advisors actually think, well, I know you say it's no longer a target, but I bet it is. <laughs> it's all about working with them and having super users and you know seeing the effect of average handling time and the way that average handling measuring average handling time is ineffective to the objective of the center so if the advisors can see that if they go oh yeah actually driving my IHT down means that this customer's satisfaction levels are down my QM scores are down we aren't resolving first contact so actually we're getting that customer in if they see the full picture and they can understand why the center has decided to come away from average handling time but Yes, it shouldn't be perhaps a hard metric that they get their bonus, their commission, their one-to-one -one discussions on. That said, the team leader should always have it to hand or the coaches should always have it to hand because it does reflect call control. So if you're over-servicing customers, this is my new thing, over-servicing customers, you see a lot of it, there needs to be a pullback. Hang on a minute, stay to the objective of the call that you're handling and managing. So I never say to completely lose AHT because I don't think it's a complete poison chalice. And, you know, I get not having it on warboards, not driving the environment to, you know, handle within 120 seconds and that side of things. That's ridiculous. But on the other hand, it has its place. So... It's all about getting the advisors to buy into it, to understand the reason you're doing it and to make them feel part of the programme of work and to understand overall what it's doing to the business and get the CEO, get the MD coming into the centre to encourage them to think about it and to help drive that first contact resolution metric down. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Neris, for joining us today. That's OK. It's been really good. And that's all for this episode. Thank you, Neris Caulfield from Injection Consulting for joining us today. This episode of the Contact Center podcast is sponsored by Genesis. Genesis is the global leader in omnichannel customer experience and contact center solutions. More than 11,000 companies in over 100 countries trust the Genesis customer experience platform to help them connect effortlessly with consumers across any channel voice, text, web chat, and social. If you would like to see a demonstration of the Genesis Pure Cloud Contact Center platform, visit callcenterhelper.com forward slash demo. Next week on the Contact Center podcast, we will be looking at the topic of artificial intelligence with David Naylor from Humanotics. The Contact Center podcast is produced by Call Center Helper, the leading contact center magazine. You can subscribe to our podcast or give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, or Spotify. You can also access our entire range of podcasts through the Call Center Helper website by visiting callcenterhelper.com forward slash podcasts.